This week on the Cars Unfiltered podcast, Sal uses his F-150 to make metal shavings. Like the drivetrain sounds like it's going to implode. Mike reminds us what real four-wheel drive is. Like 1970s F-150 four-wheel drive, right? That's four-wheel drive. Get out and lock them for get, get out, lock them. And I just give up. Well, I mean, the future, too, is like we don't own cars, right? And now, the podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 14 of the Cars Unfiltered Podcast. We are re-recording this week because we severely messed up the the first recording of this so according to tom mike and i haven't listened to it but tom said it's cringy so oh yeah yeah he said there was massive amounts of cringe so we're gonna try it again and uh and see how it goes so yeah welcome to our saturday morning uh podcast well it's gonna be posted monday still yeah, but it's for it's Saturday morning for us, so that's fine. Our audience can deal with it. Is you see, it's just that we it seems like things have been going so well, and like now we have this bar of quality, so we kind of like shot below that bar with the last one. So, so we're back. We'll see how it goes. So, yeah, we'll what's, see, our yeah. first, what's our first topic, Tom? Cold weather driving. Why? Why so, are we talking about cold well, weather driving? Actually, so <clears throat> I wrote this one up, and it's for a very specific reason. So I was driving down, uh, if you can't tell by the uh, more character to the room I'm in now, I'm in Mike's house, um, and he lives in, in a historic-ish neighborhood in Detroit, right? It's got Tudor homes or whatever. And I was following this lady who was a law-abiding citizen by all means, but uh, and even coming off the highway, people drive as soon as it's winter and it gets cold, people drive slower. Oh, it's true. Like, regardless if it's snowing, regardless if it's ice, it's just there. It's cold, so I'm going to drive slow, right? So I'm on the highway. People are doing, like, 45 on the highway when there's nothing going on. It's like, I I don't, and as a disclaimer, because we probably should have a disclaimer, uh, always drive safe and follow (laughs) the rules and slow down in snow weather. But Follow the posted speed limit. Right, and if it's, okay, you can drive water speed. But at the same time, like, Guys, if people, it's just cold. Like the lady was going 50 miles an hour down your street. So I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not riding her, but I'm, I'm behind her. <laughs> and then, but then the other thing that made me mad was she was going to let me go, but she slams on the brakes. Like the oh, brake yeah. checked me. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay. So I'm, I stopped fine. And like, I stopped behind her because I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. And then I realized what she's doing. So I'm going around and you do the, the, you know, the, look you always look at who the idiot is in the other car yeah, and they yeah. look at who the idiot is in your car um and she gives me this dirty look it's like you're going 10 miles an hour the speed limit's 25 right like it's it's a residential street no kids are playing outside right now you can go at least 20 i'll Wait. follow you if you're going 20 yeah i, I agree going with that 10 Her- her logic breaks down here too because if she's going slow because she's concerned that like cars are going to slide and not stop and somebody's like riding behind her so she brake checks them well, so she's like, dumb like, that. like I she's that. asking for it yeah but people are dumb like that like i've had this wow this got real <laughs> personal right? but i was talking to, i think i talked to mike about it once i was on the highway on the way to work and some dude's doing like 45 in the middle of and for those of you unfamiliar with michigan most of our highways short of in the middle of downtown and let's face it you still do are 70 mile an hour speed limits Right. So the dude's doing 45 in like a middle lane. And like, I think he cut me off or something. Right. So I'm just riding him for a little bit. There's no car in front of him because he's got a car so I can see. He brake checks me in the middle of the highway in like, I think he had like a 
like a 96 Corolla or something, right? And I'm like, let's think this one through. <laughs> yes, I'll be mad that I hit you and that there's damage in my car, but my car is going to like gobble yours up. Like the chances <laughs> of you or me coming out uninjured, there's a higher chance that my F-150 with a high steel aluminum frame, and like if you've seen the crash test videos, that cab don't break. That cab is is a solid piece. Of, like that doesn't end up well for anybody. It ends up with you drive away and he doesn't. That's what ends up. Right, happening. exactly. But like I've never like even when people have been tailgating me, I've never once thought, hmm, let me get into an accident just to prove a point. Well, okay. So <laughs> now that now that Sal's vented here, and I I agree with his venting for the most part. Uh, there are some safety considerations here, right? Most notably, the fact that most people don't put winter tires on their vehicle, right? 90% of yeah. the population, I would I venture to say 95% of the population runs around with all seasons all the time, yeah. which uh, factually, uh, the rubber compound is not that good. Sorry, I got to steal this dog from my ball, or this ball, <laughs> this ball from my dog. <laughs> so she quits bouncing it. Um, The, the the rubber compound, right, loses its grip after a, a certain temperature. And I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 32 degrees, right, or 30 or something. It's somewhere around the same thing, right? But yeah, depending on the, the manufacturer, it, it's different, different different tires and different compounds. But, uh, but a winter tire, uh, the compound is such that it's softer, right? And therefore, it has better grip, more grip as the temperature goes down because it's not as hard to compound and it retains its grip longer, right? Not to mention the fact that usually there's additional siping and et cetera, et cetera, which side note, if, any, if you ever go to a, a tire shop and they ask if you want your tire siped when you buy them, say no because them doing it right there is bullshit. The, man, the ones done by the manufacturers, by like Goodyear or a Firestone or whatever, fine, they're good. The guys that are doing it in the shop with a little tire siping machine are literally just decreasing the life, the life of your tires. That's it. Um, but those winter tires, if people had winter tires, right, and swapped them out, they'd still drive the same. So I, I don't know where I was going with that, <laughs> aside from... Uh, Sal has bought winter tires for his Mustang before, mm-hmm. right? And and that would increase your confidence then in your winter driving abilities because you know that you have good tires on your car. I do this when it's wet outside, right? Like I think about it and I'm like, oh, can I take this exit ramp at whatever I want to because how are my tires, right? And if I'm like, oh yeah, my tires are still good, I know that I'm fine. But how many people do you know actually know how what state their tires are in on a day-to-day basis? Well, I would give those two things, okay? One, I would say anybody that hasn't tried winter tires, go on Craigslist, find a set of winter tires and like try it out because it will probably change your world, okay? And also to anybody that listens to this show, tell your friends that you suspect may drive like we're talking about, tell them to try the winter tires. Okay? <laughs> like, well, it was always, yeah, it was always a discussion about the all-wheel, oh, all-wheel drives, like put summer tires on an all-wheel drive car in the winter and tell me how good you fare goes nowhere yeah don't understand that and there's been so many videos on youtube and but like everyone just generic people are like oh i got all-wheel drive it's like that doesn't mean anything man and then like my truck i can only engage that's the other thing the only thing i will say about the truck four-wheel drive which i'm not a huge fan of but because i'm a not a truck guy is that if you do anything other than turn on four-wheel drive when your cars are your tires are already spinning your truck hates you 
Like the drivetrain mm-hmm. sounds like it's going to implode, right? Hey, so you're not that, supposed I mean, to say that again. So the four, the the four by four in the trucks yep. is really only made when it's like bad condition. When oh, you're tired, yeah. if you do yeah. it on dry conditions, and I talked to an engineer that designs these, he's like, yeah, the, you'll blow your drivetrain. Oh like yeah, five no, your transfer cases usually won't go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll usually bust whatever, a chain something in the driveway, but it's it's like where and so it's funny to me as a side note that that's like. There's no, you have to, you end up relying on your two wheel drive truck and just fishtailing a little bit more than you would normally because you don't want to engage the four, four by four, right? But that, that's how real, so like that's as compared to like all wheel drive, right? Like which my, yeah, my yeah. wife's Mariner has all wheel drive. There's no switches, nothing. It's automatically, right? And uh, like, but it's not real four wheel drive. Whereas, you know, like the trucks, like that's real strong. Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to tell Sal to do something with Mike. Yeah, no. just like that, just what you did there. Sorry, that's all. That's all I was trying to do. Sorry, uh, he always complains about my sound quality, and then I'm he just, changes it. Like, okay, for the listeners, a little inside baseball for the listeners. Not like ten minutes ago, Mike said the game's only at half. You can pretty much put the mic wherever you want. But but that was like ten minutes ago. But, but it, it picks up from the top of the mic, right? From from yours, mine picks up from that the, was from ten the minutes side. ago. Yours picks up from the top, so you want like the top facing your mouth. That was like ten minutes ago. Put it wherever you want. Doesn't matter. Ridiculous. Go ahead. Mike, Mike is running a tight ship over there, man. I'm trying. Um. So yeah, the so that, like I think that's kind of just you know real four wheel drive like transfer case four wheel drive, but that's how it's always been, right? Like it doesn't matter, you know, a Jeep from the seventies, it's the same deal. Yeah, but I think a lot of people nowadays, right? They're um, there's a lot of confusion with all wheel drive and four wheel drive, yeah. right? And manufacturers don't help this at all because different manufacturers classify different things different ways, right? Um, And the way that I've always understood it and the way that I've always defined it is that proper four-wheel drive is four-wheel drive where you can lock all four wheels and they go the same speed, right? Land Land Rover four-wheel drive, basically. Land Land Rover four-wheel drive, like 1970s F-150 four-wheel drive, right? That's four-wheel drive. Get out and lock them four-wheel drive. Get out, lock them. Or, you know, you've got a a four-high and four-low selector where four-low locks everything in place, right? Um. And four high usually just locks your front axle and your rear axle, but it doesn't lock both of them together. So your front and rears will spin at different rates if they need to. Whereas all-wheel drive, the way that I've always understood it, is more of um, a grip control situation where power is supplied to the wheel that's spinning the most. Um, or well, Yeah, I guess. Uh, it's a more dynamic or a, a more nimble kind of a lighter transfer case. So like it can't take the amount of power that you can put down or torque, I should say that like a truck might put right, out, but it, but it splits it differently, right? Like yeah. it, it controls, it uh, yeah, it controls the rate at which the wheels spin usually by using brakes, to be honest. Um, and it, it doesn't lock anything together, right? Like things aren't connected together for the most part. They, they are, but only because they're trying to make the, the engine management system or the traction control system is trying to make sure that everything spins at the same speed, but it's not doing it by mechanically locking anything together. It just doesn't send power to the wheel. So it sends, yeah. it'll send power to whatever wheel is not spinning. 
the yep. wheel spinning, right. it lets off the power. It doesn't actually break it much. It just lets off the power on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Which is what you would do, like, if you're trying to recover from a spin-out, you'd get off the gas, adjust, and sure. put it back on. But, but if you're in a... Uh, in a situation where you're stuck and you're trying to get out, right? Yeah. You don't want that kind of system. You want to let me get all these fuckers spinning at the same rate kind yeah. of system. Yeah, but most of them you can turn it off enough to get, like when I had my Taurus, right, which was all-wheel drive, native all-wheel drive, I could turn it off. It wasn't fully off, but I turned it off enough to be able to do the drive, reverse, drive, reverse dance yeah, to get right. myself out of a, yeah, okay. a ditch. So the way Kristen's Mariner works, it, it I believe it does use brakes, uh, like quite a bit because I, especially like yesterday, I was throwing it around a little bit and uh, I just freaking the computer. I don't know why it's fun, but it's just freaking the computer out is fantastic because like you can feel it like trying to decide. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I don't know. It's, it's definitely kind of, it's an interesting strategy because I think they use the brakes. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys know for sure on this. I'm mostly positive that it's it's not brakes. It's mostly just power kill. Yeah, I, I, this, I think you're right. I, maybe it's the stability no, control I mean, that uses the brakes. It could be. What's that? It might be the stability control that uses the brakes. Because something definitely grabs the, like, it breaks the wheel, like some of the wheels. I don't know which system it is. but I think I think that might be the traction control system. Yeah. All-wheel drive system. Right? Yeah, yeah. But because I, I, th- I remember my mom had a Bonneville, right? She had an 03 or a 01 or something Bonneville. And it, it was my first experience with a, like a modern traction control system. Um, and it definitely used brakes. I remember one time I was on the highway and I got into some snow, right? It wasn't a lot of snow, but it was just a lane that wasn't cleared. Um, and I moved into it and fuck me, man. I turned that yeah. system off because it's just unpredictable the way that it tries to manage stuff, right? Like it, it was definitely applying brakes on whichever wheel was starting to spin and dude that shit's dangerous if you don't expect it right like it's not you applying brakes it's this fucking system i think it depends on the system though because Kristen's car actually i'll be honest with you like it does a better than expected job and then also another one i've seen that performs pretty well this is is weird but like jeep the jeep patriot is jeep's bottom rung vehicle right oh yeah didn't it used to be the liberty I think this is be- the Patriots below the Liberty. Liber- yeah, okay. I really, I think it is. They're really um, tall. I feel like they're way too top heavy. The Patriots. Maybe they're they're square, but anyway, they have this like it's called the Freedom All Wheel Drive System. Okay, <laughs> so it's just the same as like all the other you know like car all wheel drive systems. But I was really impressed. Um, the one that I seen had it was like the the second gen of that, and like they do a surprisingly good job. And Kristen's. Uh, mariner or my wife's mariner does like a surprisingly good job of figuring stuff out i believe that it's also like 10 or 12 years advanced from the system i was just talking about right which is uh that's not a little time as far as uh technology systems go right yeah so it did say i looked up i looked it up on how stuff works because that's where all engineers go to figure it out (laughs) um and at least that vintage that they were talking about so they said that yeah that it's a combination actually that the the older systems always relied on pumping the brake to a certain wheel right um because they didn't necessarily have the technology to distribute power to the wheels so they said the newer systems do a combination yeah okay they'll they'll pump a brake it'll be like an abs type deal basically individual abs right and then it'll also cut power yeah okay so so now it's a combination instead of just yeah, breaks. Right. And and that, that's definitely was, better. And before it was the limited slip. Right? Yeah. They use limited slip. 
but it's not i mean obviously like the difference between that and like an actual locker right it's like you're trying so like normally you apply power to a diff right and like whatever wheel has the least amount of grip or the yeah whatever wheel has the least amount of grip spins right so like they're just using that brake to simulate a locker basically like i don't know yeah where, whereas before and kind of you're just killing you're, yeah you're trying to get the wheel to stop spinning but but the difference is right um in an it, let's just go back to an old school limited slip differential, right? Well, if I were to, to pull the, um, cause I don't have a locking differential in my 70, right? I've got, a, I've got a limited slip diff. Um, and if I were to pull that out, the way that it's the way that the, the center hub, I'm going to put my hands up here so people could see me talking with my hands. That's, that's what I was doing too. So. I know. I know. It's, I, I noticed that I'm trying. So the, the center, the center hub actually has, um, spider gears in it right and there's a there's a clutch pack in there and um actually no that's the dodge the 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 mustang would just have gears and there's a spring clip in there that as the one axle starts to spin it create it would make the the carrier and there's four spider gears so it would make the carrier try to spin around itself with that that one gear spinning because they're all tied together um but it would let it spin to a certain extent if there wasn't this clip in there right so by putting this little spring clip in there as this one starts to spin the the clip will um activate right release its tension and pop the other axle into play right i don't know i'd have to look at it to see exactly how it works but it it creates a, a positive mechanical lock right in the system which then forces everything to work together instead of this one just being able to spin by itself over here you know mm -hmm. um which from an engineering perspective is a way better system than trying to control that by applying the brakes on one or decreasing the power to that axle, to that axle shaft, right? To that, if you're talking about independent suspension, it'd be a half shaft, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not a great system to try and limit the power going to one to try and get the other one to catch up to it. It's way better if you just say, Hey, let's lock these both in together because now this one can't spin unless that one starts spinning. Yeah. But you have less, you have less like fin for lack of a better term, finesse, right? You, you, yeah, can't, that's true. you can't baby it. Yeah. There's much. no, there's no finesse. It's either locked or not locked. Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, yeah. All this stuff is going to be a thing of the past once we get into electric vehicles that can distribute power wherever they want. Ah, that was a good one. That's and a good, nice segue. Uh, yeah, speaking of electric, we, we got to stop telling people these are segues. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know it's impressive. I know it's impressive, but at one point we got to. Um, so, yeah, so in any case, speaking of electrics, the um, Porsche, which I was corrected, is it Taycan? Taycan? I, I think so. I like saying Taycan because I'm from Chicago, so we have long A's. The Taycan um, is coming out, and there was a big article came out this week on Jalopnik. Um, basically, it was talking about how Porsche put a lot of effort into charging time, right? So what I'll argue is more functionality necessarily than being the fastest. They still think it'll be one of the fastest, if not the fastest electric vehicle, right? Faster than the Teslas, but they made a big deal about their charging times, right? And I'm, I needed to look it up, but which that I mean, that is a big deal. Yeah. So they said that um, the quote from Klaus Zellmer, which is a fantastic name, uh, head of Porsche North America, explained to Bloomberg this way. Again, this is from our friends over at Jalopnik. I say friends, hopefully they're our friends. Uh, getting into a car and doing zero to 60 in less than three seconds, can you really differentiate? 
yourself if you do it in 2.8 seconds and another guy can do it in 2.7. There are other factors that gain importance such as charging time, right? So Porsche designing the take end of an 800 volt battery that can take 350 kilowatt charge, which allow it to get 60 miles of range in four minutes, right? So essentially that quote unquote solves the issue of, let's say you're stranded in the middle of nowhere, right? So it's not exactly linear, right? But let's say you can charge it for 15 minutes and get somewhere close to society, yeah, right. right, is the idea, right? And realistically, if you're in a city, 60 miles is going to get you where you need to go. So, so uh, just to make sure I'm hearing this correctly, now you get, in 15 minutes, you get 15 mi- 60 miles of range. Four minutes. They're four saying minutes. in four minutes, you get 60 miles of range. Four minutes? Yeah. Okay. Now, that's- now mind you, right, this isn't a, it isn't a linear code, so it's going to be like that, and then yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. take another eight minutes to get another 30 right. miles. But yeah. But- but the point it's a quick initial charge because they have basically they started they opened up the, the current to it right so you can get a lot more current to charge well it, it, electrically some of the problems with that is like heat and breaking down things right and batteries usually only take but, but so they, much current but they prep their time. system to it right no i i get that yeah, right yeah. and so i that's but my point is that's not a small hurdle to cross yeah. right yeah. but also uh tom now you you may actually think about buying a, a Taycan now if that's the case. I would think about buying one now because at that point it's roughly equivalent to going to the gas station yeah. and going about your daily. Like I'll go to the gas station, put twenty bucks in, right? It still takes me three, four, five minutes, whatever, and that twenty bucks only gets me sixty miles of range. Let's be honest, just, because yep. I drive a shitty truck, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> And just for reference, right, just so our, our listeners know, right, there isn't a direct metric. I wish they did do it. But they're saying Tesla superchargers use 120 kilowatt, right? So roughly a third of the kilowatts uh, charging station that can get a Tesla to an 80% charge in 30, minute, in 30 minutes. And they're saying the range is 250. But 30 minutes is a long time to wait. Yeah, right? exactly, And I get it. Right? You're, you're at 80% charge. But where do you get in four minutes or five minutes, right? Like where, where do I yeah, get so using? It'd be, so it'd be like whatever, 200 miles in 30 minutes, right? Right. But still like if they don't necessarily, they won't necessarily have the, the quick up ramp to saying, okay, I need to get out of, let's say you're in Ypsilanti, right? From here, right? Ypsilanti will get you to Ann Arbor in, in four minutes. Right. And, and that's, a, you get the point. And that scale is important because if you're trying to get like a 200 mile trip, you are have a lot more planning involved, yeah. right? Whereas like, oh, if you're like, oh, I forgot to plug my car in last night and I have to get to work, like doing a four minute charge to be able to get to work is, you know, like that's, I think that's actually like a pretty big deal. Um, Jeremy Clarkson would disagree on the Grand Tour yesterday, but. Um, I, didn't, I didn't watch that part, but I think that's yeah. a big deal. I think it is a big deal in like the functionality and like utility of an electric vehicle. And also too, like, I would just, I just want to say from like a technical perspective, like the charge controller that the Taycan must have versus a Tesla, like that is an expensive component and it must be beefy to be able to accept that kind of like voltage and amperage coming in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like that's an expensive. Um, I'm going to go put my dog outside the room. Hang on. I'll be back. You two talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't know about like for me, it's not like a huge selling point because like, like, let's say the um, the, port, or the the Audi e-tron is basically the same platform, but let's say it doesn't have this updated charging 
you know, mech controller or whatever. Um, I, for the most part, like I would have it charged in my garage anyway. So every morning, like when I get up to go somewhere, it should be charged. Um, so yeah, for, but, yeah, but then you run into the comical issue of like the, did you plug in your iPhone thing? Right. And it's right. not like you can have, like, I have chargers. I have more chargers from my iPhone than I know what to do with. Cause now I've gotten into the habit of getting a lot of the like especially the anchor products, no free ads, but mm-hmm. um, like the multiple charging at one time, or like I just mm-hmm. bought one that is it's a power fusion, so it's like uh, a battery and a charger, right, or whatever. But in any case, point being that yeah, so I mean, most people would probably charge it overnight, so it's not an issue. But there'll be that one time where you forgot to charge it overnight, and then you're recording, you're in panic, you're like, oh crap, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, oh crap, right? What do I do now, right? Where so four minutes, right? You can justify, okay, I'll be four minutes later, right? right. And it, it get you to work, right? Exactly your point. But then also too, like the availability of that infrastructure, like the the higher that capacity or the uh, like the faster, more amps that that charge has to draw, the rarer those particular charging stations are going to be because there's not a ton of places that are going to have the like enough current in order to yeah. provide that. So like here, like where I'm at in Owasso, like we don't have any electric charging stations at all. So I have to be completely reliant on whatever I can. Yeah. And part of their announcement was that they were going to add more charging stations, right? They're going to add, I think I said like all the Porsche dealers were going to have them and then they were going to add more through um, Electrify America, which is this group that's trying to get charging stations, which as a side note is like the most pack name I've ever heard in my life, right? Electrify America. Like that's, there's a hundred percent a bunch of like white haired old white dudes that are like Electrify America. Um, Dude, like we're going to resell this, this LLC later for like yeah, a million dollars. And, and we're at the point where it's funny that we don't hear more about like charging stations going up in mass, right? We need to get there and it needs to start so, now. So something interesting actually um, about that and I was surprised. Uh, so Port Huron is a little town north of Detroit by about a mile or uh, an hour, hour and a half, give or take, depending on where you're going from. Um, and it is the next nearest crossing into Canada from, um, from Detroit, I guess. And right, it, it, like right across the bridge, there's probably a dozen Tesla superchargers that are just chilling out there in the parking lot of a hotel, mm-hmm. right? And I've noticed I was up there probably a year and a half, two years ago when I when I first saw them, right? And I was I was actually very impressed that Tesla's network made it out to the BFE, right? Because well, there's nothing. So there. so where you said it was in the parking lot of a hotel? Yeah. So so here's my question about it, right? I don't know if we'll be able to answer it, but so let's say you have a Tesla. Let's say you live in Port Huron. If you're not staying at the hotel, are you allowed to charge your car there? Sure. Yep. Sure. But like, if you think about it right now, I don't know that we get, but like, I would feel weird parking in a parking lot for a hotel I'm not staying at. Eh, you'd only feel weird the first time. It's, it's also, like it's, they can tow you. No, no. no, because dude, if you parked there, you've got a Tesla and it's plugged in. Yeah, like yeah, no yeah, but one's that's their electricity. But but no, no, because Tesla probably pays for it. I, well, I would almost I don't know. Gar- that's my question. Yeah. I would almost guarantee that Tesla has a contract like if, with if whoever's supplier. Yeah, and uh, sorry, and I'm talking over you. <laughs> if I park my truck in a hotel, right, they can tow it, right? That's a, that's the logic I'm using. Just like, you know, right? If I park my car at a hotel and just leave it there, 
they could tow it. Yeah, but you're not just going to leave it there, right? But that's what you're doing with your Tesla. You're plugging in and leaving it there. Okay, the, the only time they're going to tow your truck, though, so um, one, don't picture a small hotel, right? Picture 300, oh, park, 300 yeah, yeah, parking yeah, yeah. spaces or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and two, you're not going to leave it there for a long enough time for it to arouse suspicion anywhere, right? Like, you're parked at a charger, your car's plugged in and charging, even if it's not charging, even if it's done, it's still plugged in, right? No one's going to go out there and be like, oh, hey, we got to get this guy out of here, unless they're all full, right? But if there's a dozen charging stations, the odds, it's only a, I mean, it's a smaller, smallish town, right? 30, 40,000 people. The total like metro area, including the city in, uh, um, in Canada that's across the bridge is probably like 150, right? Maybe. Yeah. thousand people and you've got 12 tesla superchargers right the percentage of people that own teslas aren't enough for anyone to really get up in arms about yeah, you but, leaving your car but like i saw one in like the youtuber that we were talking about before um he had to go charges and he wanted to find a supercharger and he like parked it in some like strip mall that had chargers on it right and denver's a bigger city yeah. right he lives outside of denver but still he lives in the suburb of denver so that's always been curious to me where it's like because apparently there's a supercharging station right by more mike and i work in livonia um do you just have the right regardless of if it's at a business you just have a right to leave it there well I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not free to charge anymore is it tom or is it still with tesla's network the before i can't remember what year before like let's say 2015 if you have a model s it's free forever i believe um, but yeah, the new ones are after 2016 or 2017, it's either a package, like you can pay an extra three grand when you buy the car or whatever, and then you get it or, uh, but yeah, otherwise, um, you have to pay it's, but it's cheap though. Right. I guess but, actually, Oh, it's not that cheap. It's 28 cents per kilowatt. That's like twice as much as it costs here. Okay. So my, my, my point with that, the only, where I was going with asking that question is oh. you're paying for the right to use that Tesla station. Right. So the infrastructure and stuff. Yeah. Right. So regardless of where it's located, they really can't move your shit. Well, so I just found out something. So I went on Tesla.com and uh, went to the slash support slash supercharging. Okay. And there's a question here in the FAQ called what are idle fees? Okay. Idle fees apply to any car occupying a supercharger. If the station is at least 50% full and once the charge session is complete, if the car is moved within five minutes of the charge session completion, the fee is waived. To be clear, this is purely about increasing customer happiness, and we hope to never make any money from it. Yeah, and, and that's what I was saying earlier about, uh, like, there's, there's a dozen charging stations up there in Port Huron, and not the population to necessarily use them. Whereas if you were in a higher traffic area like Denver, right, you would run into that problem. And I could see... Um, a disgruntled Tesla owner that wants to use that station calling a tow truck to move your car, but they're not going like, to, the, the strip mall is not going to. Well, and, the other, and the other thought I had about this, and this has turned into a complete conversation, but I think it's a good one anyway. Um, I was coming back from uh, New York, visiting my fiance because she lives in New York, come back soon. But in any case, um, there's designated parking spots in the garage for long-term parking for electric vehicles. And it had snowed, so I could tell these people haven't moved their car in three, four days. So in my mind, is like, how pissed would you be if you have an electric car? Let's say you're getting there on like a Wednesday, and there's three cars that are just sitting there for a week because a dude went on a trip and just leaves their car plugged in. Yeah, but uh, that specific garage is uh, 
very limited private usage, right? But still, like if you if there's only four spots for it and everyone there happens to be on a two week business trip and you have an electric car and you show up, you're SOL. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, um, but I think that's kind of a special case, right? <clears throat> yeah, because those aren't going to be on the Tesla system, which is, you know, where you get these idle fees and everything, which the idle fees range between 50 cents and a dollar a minute. Um, but yeah, like a... Yeah. yeah, I'm working on it. Keep going. It's a, but like at a private garage, I think that, or like a company garage, because like when I uh, when I was in Detroit, like you know, people would come in from work with their Chevy Volts or Bolt or whatever, and they'd come and plug into a charging station and like just the whole day while they're at work, right? So I don't know exactly how how that all shakes out, but. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see that being a problem because if somebody was like parked at a charging station and like I needed to charge in order to get home, like I'm going to solve that <laughs> like, yeah, one way I, or another. I say like, yeah, to your point, you're in an office. Can you still get, you still got my audio? Yeah, we still okay, got well, audio. Working you're hooked up through me. Right. Um, so let's say, yeah, there's two of you. I'm just going to take it to the least that work at the same building and there's only one charging spot and mm-hmm. he gets there before you every day. So yep. he charges it before you every day. And to your point, is it fair for him to just continuously leave his car there right because he technically has the right to or whatever right in my mind there should be some sort of i don't know how you would limit it maybe you limit the amount of electric like maybe once it senses that the car is done charging it like stops charging it and it turns the light a different color so just to shame you so so some of them do things like that right um and i only know a little bit about this uh related to ford's charging network uh, because my boss had one for a little while and there's only two charging stations or were at the time only two charging stations where we worked uh, and they were way the fuck out by the, the plant gym. So um, like he'd get a notification on his, on his phone, right? With through the vehicle app that would say, Hey, your car's done charging. You need to go fucking move it. Right. And at that point, it's just kind of a courtesy thing, right? It's not, there doesn't, there's never going to be a legally binding. You've got to move your fucking car. Tesla, it, Places like Tesla or if Porsche puts in their network or wherever, they may charge you because let's be honest, yeah, they can sense when your car's full and they there's got to be cameras or sensors or whatever that can tell that your car's still fucking plugged in, right? So I could see them charging you the uh, a storage fee, right, for still being at their charger. But as far as the people go, you can't enforce it, but you right? Can, but you can, but it's like parking at spots that are like... Uh... 30 minutes only or whatever. Sure, I right? park in them all the time. And yeah. I stay there for two hours But sometimes. they can legally tow you after a certain time. Yeah, but they're going to give you a ticket first most of the time. Yeah, but so can you start giving people tickets and Teslas, right? So it turns a different color saying, or someone can walk up to it, see that it's been, the car's been fully charged, right? And then let's say it has a timer. They're pretty smart people over at Tesla. They can figure something out, right? But let's say it has, this car has been parked here for three hours fully charged. So only you don't, and then they can send you because since it's linked to your app, your phone app now, they can send you a link like, "Hey, bud, what's the deal?" Right? And if you give a good enough reason, then maybe they'll let you ride. Yeah, I, go I ahead. Think, I, th- I think what they should do is make the car find another parking spot for itself. I know they right? can do that now. Yeah, autonomous I mean, driving. Yeah, it just all I gotta do is all I gotta do is get it to unplug itself, which really is not that big of a jump, and just have it pull out and go. F- I think that's what they should do. So, so uh, I mean, yeah, to, to you're not that big a jump. It's really not that big a jump because there's been some uh, uh, some engineers at Ford that have already 
designed uh, like a self-fueling fuel pump, right? So if they could do it with fuel, you better believe they could do it with fucking uh, electric electric plugins. Well, if you have like the wireless, what is it? Wireless capacitor and charging, where you basically you just have to be parked in the spot. It'd be that's the easiest jump, really, because they already kind of have that, right? But also, you know, if we can like charge, or uh, if we can refuel like a F twenty two in the air from another airplane. I think we could figure this one out on the ground. Just saying. Yeah. So uh, now that we've beat that horse down into the ground, yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna go uh, move on a little bit and stay within the realm of electric vehicles. Um, but particularly, it was it was news this week that Volkswagen is actively attempting to make its MEB platform a um, kind of an industry standard, right? They're uh, they're courting other automakers to use their platform for the underpinnings of their electric vehicles. And I was just, I, I don't know. I was just curious on your thoughts on that. We don't have to talk about this for a long time. I'm just curious what you guys think. So what, what is that? What is MEB? It's their, I don't know what it stands for, but it's basically their skateboard, their electric skateboard platform. It, it stands for modular electro Balkenstein. Oh yeah. Nice. Good. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, basically it's the, uh, it's the electric skateboard platform. So all the driveline components, the battery wheels, suspension bits and whatnot, just with no body or, uh, accoutrement as you would say, right. If you were French, but I'm not French. So, uh, (laughs) so, so yeah, none of the, uh, none of the little niceties that you like to see at a car, right. But it's the basic underpinnings for it, which could, um, depending on what the regulations are as far as crash tests and things like that lead to um, kind of a Duesenberg-esque coach building scenario in the near term if people take it to that level. No, I, I don't think, think it's so? going to happen. And the reason I don't think it's going to happen is because Tesla did that three, four years ago. They made their platform, all their technology open to the public. Right. And it didn't, we didn't see everyone riding on Tesla's. That's true. But part of that, I think, is because everybody thinks they have a better, uh, everyone thinks they've got. But I still think they're going to think that. Well, probably. Otherwise, we wouldn't have whatever, 15 major car companies. But, but what about. Um, and let's face it, if we're going to copy anyone, it's going to be the Japanese. Mm. Okay. I mean, if something like that would work, why aren't all the truck frames made by like to a, all the same, right? Like why so, aren't. Yeah. And uh, you make a good point. Right. And that's kind of the problem is that everyone thinks that they can make a better mousetrap. And so they're going to try and make their mousetrap better regardless of whether or not there is already a better mousetrap. Existing. No, but I think the smarter play, if I'm interpreting it right, right. I didn't read the article or whatever, but um, good. I know great journalism practice. Don't read the article, just shoot off the hip. But um it makes sense in a certain extent to the point where maybe they're pushing, not necessarily that other people become the standards so other people copy it, but so the legislation gets written around theirs, right? So it accommodates their platform. Nah, they're going after it simply from a, a cost perspective. I don't think so. Because I, think I don't so. think they're going to cut. But what is that? You can't, right? Because I'll give you a perfect example. The F-150 aluminum, aluminum shot up in price right? Because of Ford and you can't get aluminum. Yeah. But, but aluminum shot up in price because Ford uh, produces so much more volume than 
Alcoa or uh, who's the other big aluminum supplier? Volkswagen is the whatever the second biggest car company in the world, and this platform is going to go on all their platforms. I don't think there's going to be enough to justify it. I think they're playing it more from a legislation and a technology and a regulation as far as, okay, this is the charging standard. This is the battery standard, right? You don't have to make it a platform, right? I mean, it it becomes like almost like the legislation around like carbon emissions, right? Someone had to have some level of cleanliness, right? Or fuel efficiency. Fuel efficiency is really derived off of what the small Japanese cars can get because those are getting the best gas mileage, right? I think to some extent, a lot of the huss and fuss over like, hybrids and stuff like that came from the Prius. People saw what the Prius did so much so that they implemented hybrids in the same way the Prius did. There's three or four different ways to implement a hybrid. And at the beginning, everyone was implementing them like the Prius. Yeah. Right. Then later the F1 cars started doing hybrids in line with the power to get more power generation, right? Not necessarily for, but immediately everyone thought electric. So I can see what you're saying to some extent, right? I don't think anyone will follow that, but I would see them, leading the charge on, on standards or like, for example, if their cars can get 200 miles range, right? Now you're going to have hundreds of Volkswagens on the road with 200 miles, make legislation that there has to be a charging station every 200 miles on a U.S. highway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Okay. All right. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, and, and to some extent, right? I mean, they can, but I just think it'll be too expensive. And I think too many people have worked on it, right? So I think you're going to get a lot more reverse engineering of their systems, right? When the first one comes out, all the automakers are going to buy three or four of them. Sure. And reverse engineer them, right? But I think they're going to want to, just out of pride, go with their own. Yeah, I, I, t- I tend to agree with you. I was, I don't know. Um I still think they're they're probably chasing a, a certain amount of uh, of cost savings, right? Because there's economies of scale, right? Yeah. So they're hoping that at least somebody will pick it up, like Saab or something. Saab's yeah, not going yeah, to because yeah. Koenigsegg just bought them or whatever. Yeah. We're partnered with them, anyways. Um, but they're hoping. I think they're hoping that some of the smaller uh, volume manufacturers that can't hit an economy of scale will take their platform because it, it only helps their numbers, right? The more you produce of something, the less the cost per unit yeah. is. It's just how it works, right? To a certain extent. Right? But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I could see where you, where you're at there too, from a strategic perspective, it definitely could be a smart move. I, I think like them actually getting everybody to share it is like a utopian move. That's not going to happen. Like, that's you know what i mean like like yeah that'd be great if everybody had the same electric platform or like set of platforms and like i could just go when my body rusts out i could just replace the body or if i wanted to finally upgrade to the leather interior like just pop another one you know or whatever but i i yeah no sorry go on no that's that's all i had it would be great for non-car people because that's like telling mike oh just get rid of all your ford engines and just put ls's and everything which a lot of people do. Yeah, well, I'm idiot. But Mike would be like, "Damn it, I want my flathead." Yeah, or true. I want my 429 or whatever, right? Because that, that's you true. can stick an LS. They stick LSs in what? Everything. All the cop cars, Look interceptors, everything. everything. <laughs> you put an LS into anything, right? That and that yeah. thing will go. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, so for regular consumers, I agree with you, Tom. And and for those of you that won't have the pleasure, we should post the other one as like an extra take the other podcast and just be like cringe warning, cringy <laughs> an outtake. An but outtake. now that we established that Tom is a uh, old grandma consumer that has problems and wants to sue everyone. Um, 
as an average consumer, Tom is right, right? It would drive repair costs down, exactly your point, right, about driving costs down. So now replacement parts are going to be cheaper for the consumer, right? We all live in this future utopia where we all drive glass eggs that drive themselves, right? Well, I mean, the future too is like, we don't own cars, right? Like I was reading about something the other day, there's actually a good article about, um, that a friend of mine sent me, um, shout out to Martin, which Mike remembers Martin. Um, I do remember Martin. Yep. He sent me this thing in the article's titled, uh, LIDAR is just a crutch or Elon Musk says LIDAR is just a crutch and they actually make a pretty good case for it. So in, in kind of the case stems to the future at some point being, you know, for most like areas like dense areas like you're just gonna just like uber right but and the difference is like there'll be no driver in your uber and well, driving is going to be a you a utility essentially transportation the, prob- the problem with that though is someone still has to own the cars and the manufacturers don't want that kind of inventory sitting on their books so until um even if it's generating revenue profit Dude, uh, think no. think about if if Uber owned all all their cars, how much money they would lose. Well, but but again, the market to Tom's point, the market will have to change, right? It'll be For a completely sure. different model. For so sure. Ford won't necessarily have to have stock anymore. They'll have a fleet. It'll just be a big mm-hmm. fleet, right? Operate the fleet. But but that's what I'm saying, right? Like that fleet management is a massive pain in the ass. But you're thinking about it in today's realm where you still sell cars. It's more convenient to sell cars. But if you can't sell cars... But, no, but that's what I'm saying, right? So uh, now instead of Ford selling... Let's, uh, the yeah. fuck, fuck using Ford as an example, right? Now instead of GM selling yeah. cars, right? Mm-hmm. Now GM owns... Or GM still has, has to produce cars, right? You still need new models because you're going to have, they're going to age out of the system. So maybe instead of producing 9 million cars a year, now GM produces 3 million cars a year, right? But GM produces 3 million cars a year and owns all of them, which means GM has to do maintenance on 3 million cars a year. GM has to maintain location services on 3 million cars a year. GM has to manage the, uh, uh, the autonomous guiding uh, storage system to get them back to their shop th- for 3 million cars a year, right? Not to mention, but, they're but also producing that 3 million cars a year. But, the, but that's all they do, right? You won't have to do any of the other stuff. You won't have to go to different markets. You won't have to do marketing because it's going to be fleet, right? You don't have to do your marketing department. There's still Pricing a, scale is going to be... A, there's still a lot of fleet marketing. But the, but the argument, right, becomes in, in the future dystopian, you're going to have, I need to get a car, or I need to get a truck, or I need to get a van. That's it. Yeah, that's probably true. Right? And, and at that and, point, it doesn't matter who, who makes now, it. Now, I've also heard that for a while, now Ford tried doing this with car sharing, and it failed miserably, but I've also heard that, for example, you could get a situation where now Ford sells their Hertz. Right. So now the right. people that own the cars would be the Hertz or the enterprises or whatever. Right. You sell to them. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's it will be a massive change to the way that automakers function. Right. Right. Because now you're just essentially, yeah, you have a fleet of fusions. Right. Well, not fusions because we don't make sedans anymore. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> We're not going to make F-150s in 2050. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. It might look different. Uh, maybe we call everything F-150s. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Probably. Yeah, but then you'll have, and, and, and the other thing is that remember that if you get to that point, right, in the dystopian future, the person won't need the car to stay there, right? Right. But that's So the, then you, instead of, even if there's 3 million people in the city, you won't need 3 million cars. You may need 
half a million and it's just working around schedules, right? Networking and all that, or just figuring out routing or whatever, right? And you can throw buses into that, right? If we want to start making buses. I, I don't disagree with you, um, but I think it's a, it's a much more likely picture that you would have somebody like like Hertz or Enterprise or whatever as like your partner. Yeah. That you're like, look, I'm just gonna fucking sell everything. You guys can buy all of my. I will build everything just for you fuckers. Yeah. And then you figure out how the system works, right? Yeah. Because we don't want to do it. We'll build it all, all the capability into the cars, et cetera, et cetera. But you guys gotta fucking manage it because I think you're not gonna make the kind of money that you're making now if you're only producing three million cars a year. Well, but Which, then you get money out of renting them. So every time someone gets the car i need a car boom you get that's true 10 bucks and you you could probably increase the the overall revenue because now for a twenty thousand dollar car if it's got a service life of three or four years you could probably make a few hundred thousand dollars off of it if it's used all the time right? yeah, other, it's possible yeah, okay it's, right. but it's but to your point i agree with you it's it's a complete reimagination of how we view the car industry and the other big thing with that too is like if you go if you're saying like oh like for just whoever manufacturer just makes the cars and there's other people handle all this like other infrastructure stuff like they're not going to do that if it's a net negative profit situation right and if that's the case where it is profitable which I feel like it has to be considering how much people invest in Lyft and Uber and everything right there has to be like a pretty big hopefully there's a big future in that why wouldn't Ford buy somebody like Hertz? That, and also, also too, like in order to continue to improve the product, they would need the direct access to the data that a company like Hertz and, or whoever is like generating. So, I mean, if, if the auto manufacturers want to be involved in that, like, you know, mobility transportation thing in the future, they should probably be thinking about it in that way. Like, okay, like this makes money. We can probably do it more efficiently and better if we combine it, you know, they should probably start figuring that out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. So in any case, I think we've, we've talked a lot, so I'm just going to end it on a bit of a happy note for those of you that uh, didn't know and live under a rock or are computer people, according to what Tom said earlier, it is Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> oh. um, which means parties, dips, Buffalo dips, um, assorted other dips. Um, but basically I wanted to cover, and it sounds like I'm the only one that has them, any Super Bowl, memorable Super Bowl commercials that you guys have for cars. So I think, Tom, do you have one? I know Mike said he had one. I have a, a new one for this Super Bowl, which I find interesting. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Let's, yeah, let's, let's hear about this one. All right. So Dodge released a, is releasing a commercial called Big Game Blitz. Devil went down to Georgia. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, and this kind of ties into Grand Tour a little bit because in Grand Tour, Richard Hammond was not allowed to street race the uh, Dodge Demon, right, down in Detroit. It was kind of a bummer. We really wanted to see it, you know, go against the, uh, the Hennessy Camaro and stuff. And the reason was because Dodge wouldn't let him because they didn't want their vehicle viewed as being like a street racer or whatever, okay? Now, this commercial, the entire thing, they're playing Devil Went Down to Georgia, Okay, and they're racing all of the vehicles like on open roads on the street and like sliding them around and doing all like like they're racing these vehicles on the street. So I I wanted to be kind of angry that they didn't let Richard drive the demon, but also I feel like this is a uh, like kind of an interesting part of the rebellious nature of the Dodge brand right now. <laughs> it's also That's them all. doing it. That's why they can't do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
But yeah, well, I'll be interested. It sounds interesting. We'll see what it. I actually thought when he said big game blitz, I don't understand they mean big game in football. I thought they were gonna have like a Ram commercial with like a dude hunting, which would have been even better. <laughs> but it's society where people think. Did you know that people are? Side note: People are uh, petitioning to have Under Armour quit their line for hunting gear. Oh, I didn't know that. Because they're saying that they're the only ones that support hunting and that hunting is killing animals, so they want Under Armour to quit making hunting gear. Which, let's be honest, I don't know that many wait, rednecks. Wait, say that again? There's a groups of people that are boycotting or demanding that Under Armour quit making their hunting gear line. Okay, that's dumb. Because they're like, well, hunting's unethical, Nike and Adidas don't do it, like, you guys are the only ones that support hunting, which... I was never immersed into that uh, lifestyle, even when I came to Michigan, but I knew it. But from what I can tell, that's like, like real important to the hunting gear. Under oh. Armour is a huge brand now, well, especially with younger hunters. Yeah, I believe. Well, because, partially because uh, at this point, Under Armour is a fashion brand, yeah, right? Yeah. And so with younger hunters, yeah, like they're going to go to Under Armour versus like Carhartt. Whereas, but I even, well, I don't know. Did people hunt in Carhartts? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Makes sense. I mean, I feel like real hunters do. Dude, I'm pretty sure Carhartt has a mossy oak but coat. I, but I will say, yeah, but I will say that I'm pretty sure that also they probably, the older hunters probably used Under Armour back when it was just like the thermal gear. And um, not, not older, older hunters. But no, but, but, but I'm just thinking. Because I remember when Under Armour made like one thing. They made their like mock turtleneck thermal. Right, and that was a game changer for sweat wicking under shirts. Actually, I do remember when that came out, and they, yeah, Under Armour offered it in, in a camo, and I considered buying it because at the time I was a hunter. Yeah. Um, but now Mike's just a car hunter. Right. Yeah. Now I'm. Yeah. Now I'm just in the cars. I don't know, man. Like, but it's a big deal. A lot of people wear Under Armour camo stuff, even if they don't hunt. You know, it's I'm, a popular. Line. I'm gonna piss off some some. Uh, I don't. I think some, all of our demographics can agree with some you. Some animal rights <laughs> activists here, but they can go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? Let people live their fucking lives. This is right? America. I, well, or I'm not going to get out of soapbox here, but for the for the most part, it it doesn't affect any of the people that are up in arms about it, yeah. right? For the most part, it doesn't affect them. But parts of it do affect them, right? Like certain things about hunting are put in place for population control and shit, right? And like, what the fuck else are you going to do? Are you going to hire tens of thousands of government employees like park rangers to go out and shoot fucking deer every year? Right now, you you get people to pay for it to go have the the opportunity to go hunt something. You don't have to do shit. Well, we can't put chickens in coops. We can't chase them around and kill them now because we (laughs) How are we going to get... I'm j- but all joking aside, like, and we we're not a that type. Of no, yeah. Guy. So let's but let's get off of that one. We have been hunting animals since the beginning of there was animals and people. Any case, um. So okay, so that's it. So what was your commercial for the Super Bowl, Mike? My favorite Super Bowl commercial is actually a 2012 ad okay. for the Acura NSX. Okay. In which Jerry goes into a dealership and tries to buy a car. It's back. I think I think it's when he started uh, with Crackle and um, comedians and cars getting coffee, mm. where it was very close to them. So he had a, a ad sponsorship with Acura, um, and he's he was very his his ad placement with Acura was about as obvious as our segues. Yeah. So um, it's just an amazing amusing ad. I like it. Yeah. But there's also an ad this year that's coming up that I saw that introduces their new Gladiator, mm-hmm. right? But 
in order to introduce the new gladiator, they crush an original gladiator. And I, kind of, I almost just cried. I was just watching it a movie ago and I almost just cried. I did too. That was awful. That was sad. I'm not a big fan of watching the Super Bowl commercial before the Super Bowl, so thank you for, uh, for you, no, I'm kidding. Fine. Everyone does that. Well, oh, it's very apparent what's going to happen. Like, why do you need to ruin that? Like, like why you'll see. Not you guys. I'm saying as a, as, a, as a society, why can't you wait to watch the Super Bowl commercials until the Super Bowl? I mean, you can. Like, but it's, but I'm, not gonna watch a, I'm not going to watch a Super Bowl because you canceled the party. So. Sal, it's my fault because there's a bunch of people like me that don't watch the Super Bowl and right. just watch the commercials. Well, we watch so. the commercials too. Well, wait till Monday. Uh, <laughs> I used to wait till Monday. If you don't want to see me get frustrated and possibly throw something in the television this weekend, you should wait till Monday. Uh, okay, so my two ones that immediately came to mind were um, the Darth Vader Volkswagen one. Do you guys remember oh, yeah, that, that one? Was pretty good. That one was good. Yeah, that one was pretty Tom, good. Tom, you would love I don't it. Think, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, well, you need to Google it and watch it afterwards because that one was fantastic. It's is a pretty it a, short. It's a new one? No, it's like oh. 2013 maybe. Okay. So it's just type in like Darth Vader Volkswagen. You'll find it. <laughs> um, but basically, did you find it? No. Yep. All right. We're going to do a, a quick two-minute reaction. It's like what, two-minute video or something? Yeah. 2011? Some, some people listen to this on a podcast apps. So still. I'll fill in so, the podcast Yeah, so you got to talk about it. Yeah, so... Tom is going to be paying attention, but basically it's an ad that talked about remote start and there's a kid in a Darth Vader. This won't ruin it for Tom, but there's a kid in a Darth Vader outfit and he's standing in front of it doing like the little force hand thing, right? And then his dad from the inside of the house does Uh, a remote start and the kid freaks out, right? I remember that one. That was a fantastic Super Bowl ad, right? For cars, right? Because it didn't talk about like a car drive or whatever. It was just like magic right it meant magic. so that was good and then obviously we'll have to end the podcast on probably i would argue one of the more most influential super bowl car commercials wait is this about eminem it's the board and fire yeah, slash no, yeah, imported that, from detroit i was going to use that one as mine but i figured it's too obvious it's too obvious but it has to be said like because that in my mind changed a whole generation of marketing well, for the big three. Oh, for sure. And it also helped change some of the perception about Detroit in general, right? Like a little bit, that, yeah, yeah. I th- it, it opened up a conversation about Detroit that people weren't having yet, right? Because now Eminem was uh, yeah. a primetime Super Bowl. Yeah. Or even, or even it, right? pride for the grime and the hustle right. and all that, right. right? Detroit was never, even Detroiters, from what I understand, I wasn't here at the time, but there wasn't as much like, public acknowledgement of yeah our our city's you know not great but we hustle we grind through it and we're like they weren't publicly saying that as much right, right? so it turned it into i mean like i i would imagine that a lot of the stuff we see today here if you're not in detroit there's like detroit hustle harder detroit versus everybody all that came after that commercial yeah right. and i talked to certain people that lived here i mean tom were you here mm-hmm. well in 12 well so yeah so, I was in well, I was in Detroit in 2012, and I this was like 11. Lived in the area, like retro. They're like, they're like, oh, he's like, I almost like broke down in tears, right? Because it was like a very, uh, oh yeah, emotional thing for them, right? Yeah, right? So, so yeah, I mean, that's gotta be up there on the list of like most influential Super Bowl. I mean, car commercials in general, right? I mean, the whole the imported from Detroit spread after Chrysler, and everyone loved it. So well, and it was a big spot too, right? It was a full like minute, minute and a half spot. And it came out of nowhere, too. yeah. And, and that was before um, uh, it wasn't released before the Super Bowl, right? Like that was right. you watched it during the Super Bowl, and people were like, "Fuck!" It's still a great commercial. I love watching those. Uh, yeah, like, and there's a whole series of them, right? And they're they're it's still a cool commercial. So, in any case, um, 
happy Super Bowl weekend for all of you that are going to watch. For all of you who aren't, happy commercial watching Saturday <laughs> or Friday, or I think they came out like last Wednesday or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully Tom will uh, – I do think we should post, at least on YouTube, the cringy episode where you just say yeah, cringy. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, I agree. And if you want to hear three guys bicker for an hour <laughs> yeah. and talk over each other, um, then you can go ahead and do that. But we won't post it probably to the main – it won't be a main episode. It'll yeah, be a bonus I, cringy we, won't, we won't put that on the podcast, but yeah. you can go check it out if you want. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. We, we're all set? Week, guys. All right. We'll see you later. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Waiting for that recording <laughs> to go away.